Yes, well, what a great song, because we are talking today about how the Holy Spirit renews, renews us. And when the church is renewed, the church can be a force of awakening in culture. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you want to follow along in the scripture today, it's going to be in here. All right, so check that out. Today's teaching passage is in there. But first, let's tell a story, all right? First, the story. Um, my son loves trains, so we used to go to the Barnes and Noble when he was a little guy. He was probably like three or four. He's just a little dude, and you know they had the Thomas the Train set at Barnes and Noble, and uh, we went one day to go see Thomas the Train, and it was packed with kids getting their snot all over every little train. <laughs> and I was like, you know, let's not go in there, son. I got something better. I have a better idea. And he's like, okay, what could be better than Thomas the Train? And I'm like, how about we go see a real train? And he got on this kick, this lying, real train, real train. So we started chanting it together, real train. We're going to drive down to Encinitas. And I got him on my shoulder, and we went right up to that crossbar that closes, because I want to be front row, right in the action, right? Like the front row peeps. I want to feel the spray from the train hitting us in the face. So I got him on my shoulder, and I think it's going to be that coastliner that stops in Encinitas. But this thing did not do that. So we're right at the bar, and this thing comes barreling through, blaring its horn, you know, full blast, ground shaking from the momentum of the train, kicking up debris. My son is on my shoulders. It's one of those freight trains, and it's just going and going, and I can feel him on my shoulders shaking. And I'm thinking, he is loving this, and he's up there just, just... having a blast. The train finally passes and I pull him off my shoulder. And rather than finding this look of jubilation, I find this look of total shock. His eyes are wide. His hair is back. He's got debris in it. And he's just like, real train, real train. <laughs> kind of muttering in a bit of a comatose state. The rest of the year, he was infatuated with the real train. And I thought, what a great kickoff illustration for our conversation about the Holy Spirit renewing us. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's when the church remembers when the Holy Spirit came down on that group of early believers. In that moment, it was a little bit for them like my son, all right? Jesus had done this amazing work on the cross. He was resurrected. Like, wow, this is amazing. But now Jesus is saying, you're going to do it. And we're going from toy train God to real train God. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Spirit came, it shook that community. It shook those early believers. They were shaken by the Spirit of God and became a force of awakening in the world. And I think that's what goes on for us as believers. Um, You know, I think for some of us, we know God from a safe distance. You know, he's historically that savior who died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Oh, praise God for what Jesus did on the cross. Important, essential, but still, if it remains just as something Jesus did in the past, it keeps, it stays a safe distance from our life today. Or we think of God the Father and his sovereign control over the universe, creating everything, sustaining everything. But we can keep God theologically at a safe distance from us as a concept or as an amazing person who acted in history. But the Holy Spirit brings the power of what Jesus did on the cross into our life today. He brings the transcendent, immutable creator God to work in our life in a personal way. And that is going to shake up our life. And it's like going from toy God to real God. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's the Holy Spirit 
who makes that theological, historical God real in our life right now today. He takes the things that we see God doing in here, and he begins to say, hey, come join me, and let's do this together again today. So that's what we're going to talk about, the Holy Spirit renewing us and allowing the Spirit to shake us up. So are you okay if we get shaken up a little bit today? You want to get shaken up? All right, because that's what's going to happen. I want to start off with this great quote to shake us up. All right, here we go. Listen to this quote by one of my favorite authors on spiritual transformation, Dallas Willard. He writes, the world can no longer be left to mere diplomats, politicians, and business leaders. They have done the best they could, no doubt, but this is an age for spiritual heroes, a time for men and women to be heroic in their faith and in spiritual character and power. The greatest danger to the Christian church today is that of pitching its message too low. Now, I want to grab a hold of that word, spiritual heroes. Do you think of yourself as a spiritual hero? Maybe you don't. Maybe you think, oh man, if I were to consider myself a spiritual hero, that might make me a bit narcissistic, right? Maybe a little bit hubris, a little bit prideful and arrogant. Who am I to be a spiritual hero? So for some of us, the idea of being a spiritual hero sounds intimidating, maybe time-consuming, maybe for someone else. But what if that is exactly what the Holy Spirit is in the business of doing? Transforming ordinary men and women, young and old, no matter what season of life they are in, to becoming spiritual heroes for their time. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Because when Jesus prepared the disciples for Pentecost, he didn't do it by pitching his message low. He didn't say, when the Spirit comes, everything is going to get easier for you. Man, when the Spirit comes, everybody is going to love you. It's going to be a total social, like, popularity renovation. Everyone's going to love you. No, 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 no. Uh, he said, when the Spirit comes, actually, well, look at what he does say. Right here in Acts 1.8, we have what he says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Now, these two words, power and witness, in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, let's pause there. Jerusalem is where Jesus was crucified, right? This is only weeks, this moment when he said this is only weeks after he was brutally tortured and murdered on the cross. So he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses right here where I was put to death, right here. It's going to start here, and then it's going to go where? to Judea, Samaria, and get this, to the ends of the earth, even Carlsbad. <laughs> hey, all right, come on now. Now, this is the thing. The Holy Spirit comes in power. When we talk about revival or renewal or awakening, this is not about hype. Like, if we get enough rad, you know, lights and sound system and a fog machine, and we just really crank it up and you know, if I tell funny enough stories and bring enough charisma, if we get our, our pump up enough, you know, we're going to then get revival, right? Revival is not Jesus on Mountain Dew. And I think sometimes we can think like revival is just getting whipped up and manufacturing a lot of excitement. That's not what revival is. No doubt. When the Spirit is moving and renewing His people, there is an increase in spiritual passion and joy and expectancy and anticipation of what he is doing. No doubt 
That is happening. But it's not about hype. It's about the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to get this word power right here. In the Greek, it's the word dunamis. And you can kind of see it's derivative, you know, where we get the word dynamite from. So when you think of dynamite, what do you think? Now, imagine if I had a stick of dynamite. Gosh, I wish I did, really, honestly. That'd be so cool. Here it is, right? If I had a stick of dynamite and say, hey, let's see what happens if I light this thing. And you'd be worried because, you know, I was a pyromaniac when I was a kid, right? Set my bathroom on fire. Anyways, um, if I had dynamite and I lit that thing, what would you do? Boom, you'd be out of here. Because that dynamite is explosive and is going to shake up the place. Now, as we go into this topic, I'm aware that it, there's been some churches and some experiences in our past, we've had negative experiences with the Holy Spirit where churches were not walking in the Spirit, but were walking in their ego, their flesh, and the topic of the Holy Spirit was hurtful and caused damage and blew up things in a bad way. But when the Holy Spirit's really at work, He is shaking things up in the way that reflects Jesus. And everything that the Spirit is doing, it is in that spirit of love and yet power to move us in a way that we could never be moved on our own. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When the Spirit shakes up the church, the church becomes a force of awakening in culture. And our culture needs it, doesn't it? But it begins with us. And we need renewal in our life. And we're going to look right here at a passage where we're going to look at what happens when this, we allow the Spirit to fill us and renew us to become agents of awakening in our team, with our teammates, with our classmates at college and high school, in our workplace, in our marriage. It doesn't matter where God has put you. God has put you there to be a force for awakening in that place. Check out this story we're going to read today. First, or Acts chapter 4, verse 23 it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Now, they had been arrested because they healed a guy. And not only did they heal the guy, but when they healed him, they declared, we did this not by our power, but in the name of Jesus. And it was that, declaring the name of Jesus, that got them arrested. The religious leaders threatened to kill them if they continued to talk about Jesus. Now, watch what they do. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and told them they were moving out of town and running for the hills. I could say some funny things right now, but it may be offensive, so I will not. They did not move where it was safer. Huh? You got me? Come on now. They reported, look at it, they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now watch. When they said that, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, here it is, check this out, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, here we are, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
When the Holy Spirit is, be, is moving powerfully in a community of people, he shakes us up out of our status quo so that we can become forces of awakening in our culture. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to shake us up today. Lord, we receive you, Holy Spirit. We want to invite you in to renew our life, to renew us physically in places of pain, emotionally, in wounded places, spiritually, where God, we've lost touch with you. We feel discouraged. We feel apathetic. We feel overwhelmed by doubt and unbelief. And we wanted to ask Holy Spirit that you would come and shake us up today as you did then. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's the point that we're going to go into the message. What does it look like when the Spirit shakes the church with fresh power? That's what I want to hit on. What does it look like? What can you expect if you begin to ask the Holy Spirit to shake up your life? Number one, we're emboldened to speak boldly about Jesus. That's very clear, and we see that with the disciples, and we see that all the way through the book of Acts. Number two, we are going to be empowered with signs that cause people to wonder about God. Come on now. Some signs and wonders. And thirdly, we are inspired to share generously with those in need. So we're going to speak boldly. We're going to be empowered with signs, and we're going to be inspired to share generously. These are the three things I want to hit on. Let's start with the first. And as we go into this, which one of these feels the most natural for you, and which one feels the most uncomfortable? Like if I said, hey, I got a bus outside. We're all going to go get in the bus together, and we're going to go out, and we're going to do all this. Which one would you be the most uncomfortable with? Sharing something you got? Praying for spiritual power in someone's life? Or would it be boldly telling people about Jesus? What would make you the most nervous? Think about that as we go into this. Number one, speaking boldly. It says in verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with what? Great boldness. Not just eensy-weensy boldness. Ah, Just a little boldness. Great boldness. It's in the Greek. There's an emphatic term there. Verse 31b, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So I want to ask you, why boldness? Why do they pray for boldness? Remember, these guys saw Jesus walk on water, calm the storm, raise the dead, saw him resurrected with like the scars still in his body. Why are they praying for boldness? They praying for boldness for, you know, those guys over there that might be kind of freaked out and nervous. They praying for other believers maybe that you know, in some other city that might be nervous? Why are they praying for boldness? What do you think? What's that? They had been opposed. Yes. Okay, right there. They had been opposed. They had experienced opposition, and they were afraid. Now, we should make note of that, because we think, all oh, these early disciples, they're so bold. If I saw Jesus resurrected, I would be bold too. I wouldn't need any courage. I would have it. And that is not true. These guys were opposed by their culture, by the leaders of their culture, and they were afraid. And what did they do with that fear? What I love about this moment is their admission that they need boldness. They didn't just go, oh, you know what? I don't want anyone to know. I'm the apostle Peter, man. I mean, gosh, I I mean, I've seen it all. I can't be afraid. I got to show these guys I got the courage. I can handle it. They don't want to show people that they're afraid. I remember one time I was on the cliff and everyone was jumping into the ocean and I was not going to jump and I was afraid and I was going to make up, I was coming up with a lie to make an excuse. It was a big jump. It was like 40 feet jumping off this huge cliff 
at Three Arch Bay in Orange County. You heard of it? Yeah, it's a beautiful jump. And it was when the junior high kids, no offense, but the junior high girls started jumping off the cliff, that as uh, my male ego was provoked. I was like, I, now I have to jump. Because I didn't want to admit I was afraid. I don't know about you, but when we're afraid, we tend to want to hide that. I don't want anyone to know. But the disciples don't hide it. They don't pretend like, oh, I'm not afraid. I don't care. I'm standing for Christ. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm ready to die. No, Peter's like, no, 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 no. I am afraid. Let's pray for boldness. And I love that. They pray for boldness. Listen, when we live in a culture that opposes our faith, we have to be careful not to become passive or silent. Now, this is really important. As a church, I want to say very directly, as a church, we really put a lot of emphasis on being the presence of God's love and grace in culture. Do you guys sense that? Do you guys sense, I'm curious. Do you sense that we're always coming back to be a presence of love in culture? But that can't mean that we don't speak boldly the truth of God in culture because it needs the salt and the light of God's truth that God has entrusted to us. And if we're honest, we all have moments where we're afraid to speak up for Christ because we're afraid that we might be rejected. We're afraid of awkwardness. We're afraid that people might judge us. And today, more than ever, there is a temptation to hold back being bold because we don't want to offend anybody or, and we don't want to be rejected. Have you ever had a moment where you were uncomfortable and maybe intimidated to speak up about Jesus in some area of your life? Can you think of a moment in your life, an area of your life right now, where if I said, I want you to go back to that area and tell people, hey, and, have, and stir up spiritual conversation and invite them to look at Jesus in the scriptures with you, you would be freaked out. Can you think of an area like that right now? Bring it to mind. You see, every believer needs boldness. Everyone. I do. You think as I get up here in front of you all that I have unflappable courage. I have moments where I'm afraid. I just had a moment yesterday with a very close friend where he was telling me about not going to church anymore. I don't need church. Why do I need church to follow Jesus? And I started, ah, do I make him uncomfortable, man? I don't want to be a preacher guy, you know? I just said, hey, bro, so why don't, you, why don't you think you need to go to church? He's like, I can follow Jesus on my own. I can just study the scriptures by myself. And I felt this nudge. I said, you know, hey, so are you reading the Bible on your own? No. And I started kind of pressing in a little bit with them. I started leveraging the equity of trust that I had to speak hard truth to him. Yeah, and it made things uncomfortable. At a certain point, he was like, uh, I think I need to go get seconds. You want to come get some seconds with me? And the conversation changed. But our relationship's still intact. I think we can get so afraid of speaking up that we remain silent and passive. Listen, one thing, last week we had this event for the Jesus Revolution. How many people came to that? You guys come to that? Wasn't that awesome? Okay, you guys, the movie The Jesus Revolution was chronicling, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, especially if you're young. If you're like, you know, 25 and under, you should go see it because it's a picture of what can happen when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a generation and stirs them to seek God. People your age and younger, high school kids, getting filled with the Spirit and boldly sharing Jesus. That's what stood out to me. In the stories that Mark Foreman, Orville Stanton, Chuck and Carol Butler were sharing, was about how people would just come up to them and say, hey, do you know about Jesus? Hey, do you know about Jesus? And it wasn't this heavy kind of like judgy, do you know Jesus? It was more like, hey, do you know Jesus? Like, do you know, do you know who Jesus is? Like this joyful, excited, expectant, winsome boldness. 
I was so touched by that. When the Spirit is moving, the people of God are free to be bold and to talk about Jesus in a way that isn't held back by fear. So like Carol was sharing about how she had moved to California, had come out to California, and was considering taking her own life. But when a stranger said, hey, do you know Jesus? It piqued her curiosity and met her at a moment where unbeknownst to that stranger, she was about to give up her life. And she found Jesus, and it radically transformed her life and the Christian music scene and the world. Come on, Switchfoot. Booyah. Right? Share his son, right? Come on, Ch- Chad Butler, drummer for Switchfoot. But more than that, the Spirit stirs us with boldness to speak about Jesus. If you lack boldness, sometimes we hide behind the fear of, like, well, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but we over-rotate. We go to the side where now it's not about fear of offending others. We're afraid of looking foolish, and we don't ever speak up at all and the Spirit can't work through us. Is there an area of your life right now where maybe people in that area of your life, work, teammates, sweetmates at your college, or coworkers don't even know you're a Christian? They don't even know. Now, I want you to consider that area and bring that to mind and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a vision of what He could do there, okay? And what it would look like to speak up. Speaking boldly does not mean we speak harshly or judgmentally. Look at Titus 3.2. It says this, be peaceable and considerate and always, what? Gentle toward everyone. Is there a way to be bold and gentle? There is, my friends. Absolutely. And when we're filled with the Spirit, guess what? When you're filled with the Spirit, you're free from fear. It's fear that gets us feeling like we've got to be tough and harsh. It's fear that causes us to be passive and to hide our faith. So if you have areas of your life where nobody even knows you're a believer, it's likely fear and timidity that's gotten a hold of you. What would it be like to say, Spirit, I want to be bold here. Open my mouth to speak up in a way that would be a blessing to people in this area. Start asking the Lord. Okay, boldness. What are some things we can do to be bold? Let's go to the list real quick. Here's some examples. You can might initiate spiritual conversation, or you can ask people, how can I pray for you? This is a really simple way to open it up. Number two, initiate spiritual conversation. Ask people, hey, what's your religious background? Hey, have you ever looked into Jesus's life? What do you think about that guy? Um, we're good friends, you, know, you might say, but I've never really talked to you about spiritual things. I, let's talk about it. What's your spiritual background? All right. Or thirdly, you may engage in a cause that desperately needs the truth of God in it infused into it. Right now, the Carlsbad Unified School District is going to be hosting a meeting on June 21st. And I want to encourage you guys, because it's going to be engaging the curriculum in the way that they teach our kids. And you may want to go to that, because we're going to be talking about the diversity, equality, inclusion vision for teaching kids, but it's also going to involve human sexuality and gender identity stuff. And I encourage Christian families to go there who are in that district to say, hey, we want to represent a Christian perspective in love, in gentleness, but what? In Christian truth. Or we got my friend uh, Jane Register, Willie's wife, who works for World Relief and brings the truth of God into the needs of people who are refugees in our country, which is very biblical, right? The Old Testament injunction to care for the immigrant and the foreigner, the widow and the orphan, right? There's different places of culture where God is calling us to step into with God's truth and gentleness 
so that we can be salt and light. Where is that cause for you? It could be engaging racial prejudice and bigotry. It could be in the area of abortion. It could be in the area of vulnerable mothers who are at risk of having an abortion because of their circumstance. Whatever it is, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you where he's calling you to engage. All right? Okay, now, when we're engaging boldly, check this out. The Spirit starts to release power. Verse 30 Now, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So the Spirit um, inspires us to speak boldly or emboldens us to speak boldly, but also empowers us with signs and wonders. Uh, Miraculous signs have a really important role in the history of revivals and awakenings. The purpose of a miraculous sign isn't to make you look awesome. You know, if you could just do a rad miracle and walk on water, wouldn't that impress that cute girl in class? That would be pretty impressive, right? If you could bust out a miracle and levitate, wow, man, people would be like, that guy's spiritual. That's not the purpose of spiritual gifts. The purpose of spiritual gifts and power is to awaken people, one, to the spiritual reality of God. Today, more than ever, we need spiritual power. We need the miraculous. We need signs and wonders that awaken people to a spiritual reality. Our culture today is the most materialistic and humanistic society in human history. We are more confident in our material capacity to solve our world's problems and more confident in human intelligence and effort alone to solve the intractable challenges of our day. And more than any other period in history, our culture ignores the importance of God and spiritual power today. So we need signs and wonders that awaken people to spiritual reality. Get this, spiritual power and signs and wonders awaken people um, to not only the reality of God, but to his mercy. When people experience physical healing, man, they're touched by the love of God. When someone gives them a word of knowledge, it's like, well, God knows me. He knows that about me? Well, God really, maybe is real. Wait, check this out. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14.1. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. The Bible says this about spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts so that we can awaken people to spiritual power. Check this out. Follow the way of love, all right, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So we're actually encouraged to desire those gifts. Some of us feel like to seek spiritual gifts is tantamount to being, you know, seeking sensationalism. And I want to say I think that's not true. I think people who are hungry to grow in spiritual gifts are following a biblical command. I've met college students who were quieted by their pastors, by their parents, by mature, well-balanced, even-keeled adults trying to say, you know what, don't get all crazy on that spiritual gift stuff. But spiritual gifts have an important role in the witness of the church. They bring testimony to the reality of what we're boldly proclaiming. Okay, check this out, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are some of the spiritual gifts. I'll walk through it with you. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the, of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what that tells you is that everyone in this room who is filled with the Spirit, there are spiritual gifts that the Spirit wants to give to you. There is no one in this room for whom the Spirit has not set aside spiritual gifts for. Every one of you. 
is made to operate with spiritual gifts. Check this out. It's for the common good. It's not to make you look awesome. It's not to prove that you're an amazing Christian. It is to bring good, the goodness of God into the community of faith. Verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work, get this, of one of one and the same Spirit. Now, he, who? Who's he? The Holy Spirit distributes them to each one just as he determines. They're not earned. They are given as grace by the Spirit to every person that is open to receiving those spiritual gifts. If you're not operating in a spiritual gift, it could be that you haven't really eagerly desired it. And when you eagerly desire something, you search after it. Ever notice that when you're looking to buy a car, if you bought a car, and you're looking at cars, you got your eye on, oh man, I really like that Rivian truck, man, that electric, it's got the truck power, but it's electric, and oh, it's so everything. You know, you start to notice them everywhere. You with me? When you're looking at a car, you see the car you're loving everywhere. You see, because your mind's on it. I'll give you an example of a spiritual gift working. My son my, my, when my kids had nightmares, I would pray for them in tongues. Um, I prayed at night for my kids in tongues every night. I prayed a blessing in an intelligible language, and then in the spirit, I prayed in tongues for them. And at one point, I asked my son, hey, why do you like me to pray in tongues for you? And he's like, I don't know, Dad, when you pray for me in tongues, I don't understand what you're saying, but I feel like a warmth. I feel the peace of God in my heart. I'm like, okay, that's good enough for me. Well, one night, my, son, my younger son had a nightmare, I was praying in tongues, and my older son was in his bunk bed, and he goes, Papa, I understand what you're praying. Now, you see, I've been praying in tongues numerous times, many times, but he'd never said that. This time, he was like, I can understand what you're saying. I said, all right, all right, well, pray out what you hear over your son. He starts to pray a prayer that was way above his nine-year-old pay grade. I mean, that kid was dropping incredible bombs of blessing on his brother. Um, and he was just praying in a way that I had never heard him talk. And I knew that he had interpreted what the Spirit was praying through me. Have you ever experienced a miraculous expression of God's presence in your life? If so, raise your hand. Just put your hand up if you've experienced the miraculous before. Okay, hold your hand up for a second. If you haven't, I'm not trying to make you go, oh, you're, look, you're left out. No, no. I want you to look and go, look at what's going around. If you want some of this, it's available. Look around. Be encouraged. Okay, one more time. Put your hands up. Look at all this. Look at all what God's doing. Okay. Um, I didn't say this earlier, but at the end of this message, I'm going to have an application for you. You might draw an application from this message in your own way, but I have reserved one application for you in this church that I'm going to save to the end. So I want you to keep that in mind as we move forward. Okay, so spiritual gifts. What spiritual gifts do you eagerly desire? Prophecy? Tongues? Healing? Huh? What's it for you? Words of knowledge? Where's that for you? Go to, let's go to the list. Here it is. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation. I want to state unequivocally that as the lead pastor of this church, I wholeheartedly support and encourage the gift, the spiritual gifts in our church. 
And I, my goal over the next couple years is to create a framework of mentoring and apprenticing of everyone in this church who wants to grow in spiritual gifts so that it can be done in a way that is loving for the common good and allows us as a church to operate in the power of the Spirit. But we need, this world needs power. This world needs supernatural wisdom to face the challenges of culture today. Okay, next. Um, oh, yes. Uh, sharing generously. So speaking boldly, right? Inspire with spiritual power and signs. Number three, sharing generously. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, I love that line. They shared everything. Okay, it can mean two things. A, they literally took all their individually owned stuff and made it available, which I think was true because a lot of people had come from the Mediterranean region for the festival of, of um, Passover. And when they became Christians at Pentecost, uh, they had to supply material needs for people who had traveled there. So they were sharing all their stuff. But what I also love is it means everything, every part of our life is open to God using for the benefit of his kingdom advancing in other people's lives as a demonstration of mercy and goodness and compassion. No part of our life is off limits, which means our time. We're sharing our time. We're sharing our treasure. We're sharing our talents. We're using what we have to leverage as an expression for the mercy of God in culture. Now, here's the point. Talking about Jesus boldly and using spiritual power is not enough to give testimony and bring awakening in culture. But when culture experiences all three of these, boldness, power, and generosity, wow, you guys, it is a holy trifecta. These things working together, when people see generosity, it communicates trust. I don't need to be afraid. These people are not to manipulate me. They're not just out there trying to make me join their little cultic group. Look at the generosity. Look at the kindness. It demonstrates the mercy, the grace of God, ultimately demonstrated by giving us his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. Generous. I'll give you an example. I had a friend who came to faith um, my son walked forward at Easter. He just went up without us even knowing he was going to do it, walked up, received Christ, and then was baptized in the ocean that day. And when I went up and chased after him and got up to the front, Mark Foreman was giving the call. He was boldly proclaiming the gospel. But check this out. When my son was there, I ran into a friend who I had been witnessing to for a decade. And he was standing there too, like a deer in headlights. And he was accepting Jesus as his Savior. And afterward, I asked him, I go, bro, tell me your story. I can't believe you're here. I didn't know you were like really getting close to receiving Christ. And this is what he told me. He goes, I want to tell you something, something that you did that put a hook in my heart that I could not shake for 10 years. 10 years ago, Ryan, when I moved into our, comp, our apartment complex, you didn't even know me, but you came down and helped me move into my apartment complex. And I told you, hey, I don't need your help because my friends are coming, but you helped me anyways. Guys, I just moved a few boxes. I didn't do much. It wasn't very amazing. I moved some boxes in, welcomed to the neighborhood, and then over time, I started sharing Jesus with him. He goes, that moment of kindness, I just couldn't shake. You would tell me about Jesus, but it was that moment of kindness that made me keep coming back to what you were saying about Jesus. You guys, acts of generosity, generosity of our time, 
are resources. They touch people's lives with the mercy of God. And when the church is freed up with its time, when we're no longer just living like embattled, grasping for every second of our time for ourselves, when we're not grasping for every dollar, every cent for ourselves, and we're free by the Spirit to hold it open-handedly, man, you guys, the Spirit moves so powerfully. And the Holy Spirit wants to do today what He was doing there, right here. The Spirit shakes up our grip on our time, our talent, and our treasures to be used for the gospel, to help others come to faith. Now, um, in a minute, I want to invite the, actually, I want to invite the band to come on out right now. And as the band comes out, um, I just want to ask you to consider for a moment where the Spirit is shaking you up right now. Is it in the area of speaking boldly about Jesus? Are there areas of your life where, if you're honest, man, you've never talked about Jesus? Maybe for you, it is in an area of spiritual power. You're like, man, I've been curious about the spiritual gifts, but I've never really like dived into it and allowed myself to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now I see that it's a biblical call and you want to grow in spiritual power. Or how about for others of us, it's growing in generosity. Maybe you feel, how can I be a spiritual hero? I don't have enough time to even like peel away from the kids or from work. I'm so busy. And to step outside of your orbit of time in your busy schedule would be heroic. But you need a fresh filling of the Spirit to give you a new perspective, to free you from the gravitational pull of your busy life. To say, God, I'm willing to give you room to move through me to touch other people, to touch people in my dorm, in my neighborhood. As I go into this song, I want to just ask you just to reflect where do you want to open your life to the Spirit? And then I'm going to bring you a challenge, okay? If you haven't been challenged enough already. An invitation in just a minute, all right? So bring that to the Lord, and let's see what the Lord says. Lord, we just want to open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Come and stir us up, Holy Spirit. Stir up boldness. Stir up your power in us. Stir up, God, your generosity in us. Come, Holy Spirit. I just want to invite you to whatever posture you want to take right now. If you want to stand showing boldness, you're ready to take that stand, you can. Um, but if you need some time to reflect and ask God for something new and to wait, awaken something in you today, feel free to do that. So whatever you feel led to do right now. We're going to sing this together. Come awaken your people. Come awaken this city. God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Revival, pour it out, pour it out. 
I left campus ministry because I felt God was calling me to come into the church to bring the calling that God's put on my life to seek God for revival to bring that to this church. My calling ultimately isn't to be a pastor. It is to seek God for revival and to lead others to seek God for that because we are in need of a move of God's spirit. There are challenges facing our culture. I'm not dismissing political action. Those things have their place. Yeah, we need that. We need that. We need those things. But it's but if it's not infused with authentic spiritual power, it's not going to accomplish what we hope it will. I've seen revivals break out on college campuses. I've seen revivals spread through dorms like wildfire. I've seen revivals spread through high schools where kids are packing out a house, standing room only, kids outside trying to get in, getting baptized, not one adult preaching the gospel, just high school kids preaching the gospel and baptizing their friends. I've seen that. I've been there. I've seen God move in ways that are inexplicable. I've seen people healed. I've seen people that no one thought could come to faith, come to faith. And I want to stir your heart. I want to shake you up. I know that we're super busy. I know we got our plans this summer. I know we got our jobs. We've got our kids. But somewhere we've got to say, Holy Spirit, shake me up. I want real God. I don't want the toy God that I can put in my pocket where I can stay safe and comfortable. God, I want to let you shake me up so I can be a force of awakening where you have put me. And believe me, guys, listen. If you were to take every place where God has sent us in this room and you were to put it on a map, it would be extraordinary. We have college students in this room who are all over the country. We have people who live not just here, but live in multiple places. We have people all throughout San Diego County in this room. Imagine if we were filled with the Spirit of God as a church with boldness and power and generosity, what that could do in our society, what that might do to bring awakening. So this is my challenge. It's not about going out and trying harder, you know? It's not about going out there and going, I need to be a better Christian. Okay, I heard you run. I'm fired up. I'm going to go try harder. I'm going to speak up more. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit saturate you with the goodness of God for you. Because then when that happens, your joy is so authentic. You, you want to tell people, not because you got to, it's because you can't contain it. You need an uncontainable joy. You don't have that, don't do that. Let the Spirit give you an uncontainable joy. For others of us, allowing the Spirit to fill us up frees us from all the barriers that have been holding us back that we feel are insurmountable. Time, personality. Oh, it's not my temperament to be bold. No, no, you guys, it's not about personality. You can be a shy person, introverted, and be bold. It is spiritual power that makes a person bold, not temperament or personality. We need the Holy Spirit, guys. We need a fresh feeling of the Spirit. So here's my challenge. This Thursday... I am calling for a church-wide gathering. I'm asking every single one of you come this Thursday to the all-church prayer and worship night. It's going to be an hour long, and we're going to seek the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a team of people ready to pray for you for healing, for filling, and for activation of spiritual gifts, and for boldness. I'm going to ask you to bring that area of your life where you feel intimidated to talk about Jesus to bring spiritual power. And the Spirit's going to give you spiritual power to be bold. So this Thursday, check it out. Here's the slide. June 1st, 6 p.m. 
get this, this is how serious we are. We even got child care for all the kids. So if you got little kids that need child care, I want you coming. If they're like, I think if they're like over five, is it Willie, over five? If they're over five, just bring them in with us. Let them run around, let them get filled up. They'll be stoked. Kids will love it. Let them run around and be crazy. All right, so I want you to consider coming. And I want you to know it's not, we're not gonna get weird. Or it's, but it's going to be, it's going to stir us up. We're going to position ourselves for the Spirit to move. We're going to set our sail and let the Spirit capture us. And I believe the wind of the Spirit is blowing on our church right now. So us, what do we do? We set the sail. So come Thursday, let's set our sails, and let's let the Spirit blow on our life. All right? All right, well, that's it. Um, we have a prayer team that's going to be up at the front. If you need prayer tonight or this morning, come get prayer. Otherwise, God bless you. I'll see you outside, and I'll see you Thursday.